Be brave enough to fight off despair. If you're a Gundam pilot, a new type, you can do it. To Utah Flash, this is a podcast where every other week we come to you with Gundam Universal Century in a more or less chronological order. This week we are coming to you with Mobile Suit Gundam Double Zeta, episodes 17 and 18. And I will say, some of the best episode titles we will see this entire series with us this week. Scotty P. Well, since we have Melee aboard the Argama, I, what I decided is that I'm pretty sure that Judo... At least in, in Melee, I think he would be a Marth main. And Luke? I was just thinking that the, the episode after that is uh, about the core top, and I started thinking, why isn't there a core bottom? And I went down a rabbit hole that was not really podcast appropriate. <laughs> uh, so is it m- Melee or Melee? I've heard melee. it both. No, I mean, it's Melee, melee man. Yeah. Not to be confused with Millie, the girl who is in the episode. And it's episode 16 and 17. Uh, You know, I wrote them wrong. I I wrote it right in my notes, but not on the actual... Like, so the title of my notes is Double Zeta, episode 16 and 17. And then the top note is 17, Melee Aboard the Argama. So it's going to be one of those days, guys. It's going to be one of those days. Um you were just trying to keep it legal. Yeah, I mean, keep it statutory. <laughs> Something. Yeah. Um, let's get it done. All right. Melee abog- aboard the Argama. So uh, the Argama had to go back to the Lavian Rose because uh, they used too many resources at Moon Moon. Like, in it. Did they? <laughs> they were low beforehand. It's a little weird on the dialogue. Like you were low, and then you went there and used more resources. So yes, you are still low on resources. In, in my head, the Argama was just like idling while the whole time they were at uh, at Moon. <laughs> yeah, um, like Astonage got into the snack cabinet, and they're like, "God, we have somebody to guard that," and they were on Moon Moon. No, it was the chicken cabinet. Like they just all the chickens got out and they couldn't catch them. So <laughs> that's where the enemies in Crossbone come from. <laughs> uh, space radiation and chickens. Um, so Bright wants to uh, take it, uh, an attempt to ta- attack Glimmy's ship um, because they haven't been noticed. Um, and, and they clear up something that was not clear at all in the last episode. Because he says it's also a good chance. Well, L is also saying it's a good chance um, because they just lost a ship. So that when Judo takes that pot shot at the Endra, apparently he just blows it up. Yeah. Which was yeah. not clear from watching it. Yeah, and you, you get, like, at least in this episode, a handful of mentions about, like, the poor Endra and all that stuff. And I mean, we'll get to the, the three musketeers later, but um, yeah. So they believe that uh, Glamish, what's Glamish ship's name again? They, they didn't actually say it this episode. It's the Mindra. Yeah. The Mindra. So they believe the Mindra is probably heading to access access. Um, and then there's just like this back and forth where uh, bright gets called an old man by L and, uh, everybody's making fun of him, and he's clearly sad. <laughs> Frustrated. 
whatever. Uh, and then the ship disappears. The ship disappearing is like a like a little note. Well, the reason they're laughing at Bright is because L, who is fourteen uh, ish, right, yeah, something yeah. like that, something like that. Yeah, she's the one that you know. Bright is waffling. He can't think tactically right now. He's like, oh, where would where would they go back to? And L's like Axis. He's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But then L just keeps piling on, yeah, because she doesn't have that like sense of maturity to know like how to be professional in any way. She's just a fourteen-year-old girl, and she's like, "Old man, that is so obvious. What the hell is wrong with you? Like, you're so old. I mean, why don't you go take a nap, dude?" It's it's almost like she breaks the fourth wall for this. Like, you know, every once in a while, it's you know the, the I think there's a a commercial on TV where it's like these guys run into a shack full of like chainsaws and you know, then they run somewhere else and they're like, let's hide. And the guy that's dressed up like uh, the Jason or something's like, I give up. This is too easy. <laughs> this is L breaking that. My, fourth favorite, my favorite part about the whole L exchange with, uh, with bright was as he's uh, like, like he is kind of like, I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go do my thing. And he's like leaving. She's like, must be hard having a wife and kids. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> Next scene. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh bright is uh s- stripping and looking at his wife's picture when emery walks in um and we learn that the devil zeta has been refitted with new beam cannons um the argama oh i'm sorry the argama has been fitted with new beam cannons but but let's note here bright is taking his clothes off and at first, Emery's like, oh, whoops, uh, my bad, and, like, turns around. And Bright continues taking his clothes off, and he's like, I, it's fine. Which, it, it's an interesting um, juxtaposition when you put it to, like, uh, like the original Z- uh, Mobile Suit Gundam stuff, uh, novel. Because, you know, it's kind of, like, normal in space and, and stuff like that to be have, like, mixed changing rooms and things along those lines. So uh, I would say like this goes back to that, but it definitely doesn't. This is definitely meant to be an awkward situation. Yeah. There isn't, it, a, there isn't a syphilis outbreak on the Argama because so many people died at the end of Zeta. <laughs> um, yeah. So Bright awkwardly thanks Emery for refitting the Argama uh, as she offers to fuck him. Uh, the, the funny thing is that she walks in he's changing she's like oh my god you're changing he's like no nah, it's all good and she's like oh uh he's, he's like thanks for you know working really really hard and she's like no problem here's the bill <laughs> the bill yeah uh yeah as as they as they're about to bang a picture of his family floats by and we get reminded about how good of a father bright is um and so, like, em- Emery, like, leaves, and as Bright kind of, like, pushes her away and, and is like, yeah, I'm not going to do this. This is bad. But then as soon as she leaves, his, like, attack of conscience goes away. He's like, yeah. hey, actually, no, I changed my mind again. <laughs> no, 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 come back. I can't see the picture of them anymore. I put it face down somewhere. <laughs> it continued floating, and now I can't see it. It, it. it didn't happen, so Bright Bright retains his honor. It totally didn't happen, ever. You know, he... And the Double Zeta novelization, he probably, like, got every hole. You know, I... <laughs> you know what? Based off of the series of events here, 
I don't know if I agree with that. Towards the end of this episode, I, I feel I felt kind of differently about that. Uh, I think Lane's talking about something made up. Um, <laughs> no, I was I, just I, I, saying that he had kept his honor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <did. laughs> But I, I think another thing in this scene, I didn't think we'd talk about this scene nearly this much, but, uh, you know, <laughs> thoughts are coming. Um, when Emery Lake hugs him and they're floating towards the wall, I feel like Emery is demonstrating how difficult it is in a spaceship when you're not in a cramped hallway to do the wall slam. It's like she's trying <laughs> to do that, but they're like in the middle of the room, so they have to like float gently over to the wall. Yeah, otherwise there's going to be a concussion had. Yeah, so maybe maybe this just shows that when your soul is bound by gravity, infidelity, but then when it's not... Mm-hmm. Yep, so um, <laughs> what, what it kind of like initially shook them up was Judo has taken over the microphone uh, on, on the mobile suit hanger, and he is pleading for everybody to work together as one on the Argama, uh, because they need to protect places like Moon Moon. And he's giving like this rousing speech. And like some of the kids are even like, wow, he's on a roll today. And I'm like, yeah, what's up? Um, this speech doesn't really serve any purpose, but it is at least. Well, one important thing from this is is him calling out Beach and Mondo as traitors. Yes. And that was like yes. kind of a big thing. Because it's like, we don't want traitors like Beach and like, like they, they betrayed us, no traitors. That kind of thing. Um, and Ellie gets just fucking pissed about that. Yeah, so it's weird because I, I kind of read it a little bit different. So so he, he did call them out as traitors, but he was like, we haven't been working kind of as one on the ship. We have been kind of like here, there, and everywhere. And that's mostly because they are from all from here, there, and everywhere. They... You know the 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 crew of the Argama is was decimated, and then they went to Colony One and got a whole bunch of people that are just not military, including these guys. I think we can assume they probably got people from Colony One. Now they probably have some people from the Lavian Rose and where wherever else that they've stopped by. Right. In the next episode, we're going to get two more people. Um, so it's just like you know, he's like, we're not a unit. Let's fix that. And we won't have these problems like that we had with these people being traitorous. So I think this is important character stuff for Judo in a couple of ways. Well, really a few, right? One is just reinforcing that he it, it, he's just kind of fearless, right? He just gets on the PA, like whatever. No big deal. Um, two, we already talked about calling out his, you know, Bicha and Mondo for being dicks. And now third is what he's saying about everybody working together as one. And this is one of the reasons I sent you guys last night that link about the initial proposal for Double Zeta. Because I think there's an interesting uh, analog in what he's saying here, even though the framing of it is extremely different. Um, you know, He's talking just to the Argama crew on a PA about everybody working together as one, protecting the way of life and Moon Moon. In this um, proposal, which I guess we should like link in the post or something for this yeah. but um and it's on reddit and it's a fan translation but um what he says in that is uh i'm gonna just cut this short a little bit instead of reading the whole thing but he says if we could overlap others wills with our own we would have the reconciliation of humanity people have that ability if we could do that people would become one and we could master the universe 
so really like the same idea. Now, of course, in this proposal, um, I should have prefaced this with this part. Sorry. Um, he is like everyone on earth is able to hear this in like the climactic battle from judo. Um, and maybe the idea was maybe this ends up becoming something like with axis shock later, you know, this is an early treatment and stuff got changed a whole bunch, but uh, I just thought it was interesting that he has this speech where he's talking about working together as one. And then you see this initial proposal and it's not the same words, but it's saying the same thing just yeah. to a different audience. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, Shara, uh, moon gets scolded. Oh wait. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Shara moon gets scolded by uh Shinten Kum, um, as for not, not, she's pissed off that they're forcing her to do laundry and she threatens to sue them for dun, 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 violating the Antarctic treaty. Yeah. But then Shinta says, you know what? It also says you, you, you still got work. Yeah. You can't be lazy. Um, so yeah, L gets pissed, uh, that judo called Mondo and beach of traders. Uh, and, and their quarrel, we start to see, uh, some, some romantic, more, a little more romantic hints where she's like, you, you just, you, you're just jealous of, uh, Rasara. And, you know, obviously that's L saying you should want me, not some chick on moon moon who can't even like light fires. Well, I was trying to think of, I mean, there's not a giant age difference between the two of them, but. I think there's enough that I was just imagining, like, what if you're, I think their age difference is roughly, like, imagine being a junior or senior in high school. Yeah. And there's a girl you like, like, in your same grade. and the, But then there's some freshman chick that's like, no, no, I'm definitely way better. Like, I get that dynamic from those two. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, so switch over to Glemmy, uh, who is making Le Lena play some uh, piano while he drinks wine, um, which is, like, a complete again 180 from what we saw the first time we see glimmy is like how do i pilot a mobile suit and now it's here i need you to pra practice this song and where you can play it perfectly uh when we go to axis so you can play it for uh, haman sama you know <laughs> yeah so i had to look up the reference here um he says i want you to master buyer by the time we reach axis and so my five seconds of looking on Wikipedia says that he is referencing Ferdinand Bayer, a 19th century German pianist whose some book that he wrote is a uh, uh, foundational pedagogy for piano education in many countries. Makes sense. Maybe this was something Tomino is forced to play as a child. Probably. <laughs> I don't know anything about piano, but my wife is a, pianist and she was like i don't know a competitive pianist or some crap like that um and she had like something called the buyer method or something like that some sort of book that she was using to teach our our daughter how to play so there you go um so uh a ship is headed towards the argama and it gets stopped by glimmy's mobile suits sorry i meant this episode we get two new people uh, <laughs> so it gets stopped by uh glimmy's mobile suits uh and glimmy tells gotten that he can uh make up by make up for his failures in moon moon by exposing the fact that these ship this ship isn't full of a bunch of civilians um 
and all these guys um, who, who I'll just start, go ahead and start calling them the, the musketeers now are just so hard up to like torture the girl on the plane. Like they're like, Oh, we're going to just torture her and beat her and she'll tell us what we want. And then like, the dude who's what's his name i don't think it tells us his name right now but we learn it next episode and it's manchar like, manchar yeah manchar, like, I think. yeah mad char mad, mad oh, char the the dialogue as they're gotten's in the elevator with these two dudes the dialogue is oh my god eric well do we have to torture and he's like Play it by ear, and then one of them's got his little tassel whip thingy. He's like, "Yeah, play it by ear, uh huh? Yep, yeah, I'm gonna do some torturing." I didn't think yeah. it was weird. He just like had, he just like had a whip on him. He's just like, ah, yeah." <laughs> well, they know you're like, listen, you, you gotta torture here, or there. Listen, there is. In, in this series in particular, and in some of these episodes that I think people don't like as much, there is some excellent visual storytelling and small moments. And this guy's about to have one, but we'll get there. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, they they get up there and they're about to, you know, they're talking tough. And, you know, it's like, if you don't do this, you're going to get tortured. And, and then, like, Mad Charge is like, yeah, no, we were going to the argument with surprise supplies. Please don't hurt me. <laughs> and the guy now with the little whip thing, I think, I, I don't know, I think this is Nell. I'm not sure. They don't yeah. say his name until the next episode, but he looks so disappointed. Yeah. When the like, guy it's, like, breaks immediately. He it's, looks so sad. It's like a mix of like dumbfoundness and like f- sadness. <laughs> He's like, I'll tell you anything. Just please don't hurt me. Don't hit me with that. They weren't going to hit you, Matchar. Um, yeah, so they they take the sh- the ship, uh, and Gotten is going to use the sh- supply ship as a decoy. Um, the you know, and then we we see this kind of weird scene where like all of his men uh, don't want to forget the Endra, and they don't want to f- forget M- Marshima, and um, that you know they're all moved and we learn that they are the three musketeers of the Indra. Um, they, they call themselves the Indra Corps. Yeah. They name themselves the Indra Corps, I think, as a... Yeah. To, like, I don't know, remember, to, like you said, to remember the Indra. They don't want to forget yeah. the Indra. Yeah, because they, they go, Indra, Banzai, Banzai, Indra, you know, like some old-school old World War II shit. Um, and and then, like, Madshar and uh, what's-her-name? God. I'm terrible. Millie. Millie. Because they don't... Do they actually... They, said it, it, they don't say it for a while. Yeah. Yeah, so Matchar and Millie are just like, uh, what the fuck? <laughs> well, and, you know, you mentioned the Three Musketeers, but it's funny because they at first they mention, they're like, oh, yeah, we're like the Three Musketeers. But then another guy's like, no, wait, I'm the third one. Like, they can't... They go with Endricor because they can't decide who the yeah. Three Musketeers No, are. they're the fucking There's Musketeers. way more than three of them. Yeah. They're the three musketeers that can't count how many they are. That's I'm sticking with that. Uh, so <laughs> the musketeers takes uh, they take Glimmy's Bawu uh, without his permission uh, and no backup f- from anybody else outside of their little group. And uh, Glimmy is pissed off and basically says, 
yeah, fuck these guys. I am not going to support them, and they're on their own now. They take the Bawu and not the Nutter, correct? No, they take the Nutter, too. They take the Nutter with them? Yeah. 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 Um, Because that's what... They they attach part of the Bawu to the the supply ship. Is that the Nutter that they attach to the supply ship? Or is it the other part of it? I think it was the flyer. I, I don't remember, but yeah. I, I think they do this just because when we first see the Beiwu, the it, you don't get to see that feature, and so this is a way for them to be like, "Hey, look, this one splits into two planes. Well, <laughs> a plane and a sort of plane. It's a plane and a set of testicles and a nutter." <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. Yeah, so. Um, the Argama thinks that something is weird about the supply ship as it approaches, but they don't know what. They don't know. They don't get the fact that you know, this is a supply ship with half of a, I don't know, basically a core top attached to it. Um, they're like, ah, this is weird. Whatever. We just haven't seen this model before. You know, we're fighting all these new model mobile suits. Here's here's a new yeah. model supply ship. Well, the the um, you know Madchar and Millie or whomever when they communicate with the Argama, they say they found it abandoned. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one, one note during all of this as like Glimmy's getting mad and they're going out, they're kind of explaining their plan to like nobody to us. Right. Um, it kind of cuts to, and Glimmy's like uh, talking about how he feels like gotten thinks too simply. He's kind of like calling out gotten's plan kind of sucks. Uh, he's not thinking tactically enough. Those are, yeah. Um, yeah, so Zeta heads out. Judo gets into Zeta and heads out um, to meet the supply ship. Uh, and then, actually, does he, he doesn't actually get out of the, of the Zeta, does he? Or out of the ship. He, he just, like, gets into Zeta. Um, and then uh, Millie, like, kind of wrecks the supply ship as it's landing and makes the Bawu pop off. Um, and like, you know, gotten like knocks her out. Like he's like, ah, you bitch knocks her out. And yeah. Like this elixir. Yeah. And, um, I don't know if, I don't know if I saw it right or not, but she like, she like veers in toward the argument. She kind of like bumps yeah. into the argument, which she does show. She kind of like pins the Bawu. Right. So it's well, like, it like popped off of the supply ship and like got flung into like some place where it got like wedged on the Argama. Um, yeah. So they're like, all right, well, I guess we got to take over the fucking Argama now. So uh, they, you know, after they knock Millie out, they start trying to take over the Argama. Um, and they raise a flag. They raised like the the Axis flag, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, it's, it's the tiniest little Neo Zeon flag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so one of the guys says, he'll "Take." So I'm not. I'm not even going to try to remember these guys' names because they all look like generic Axis soldier one, two, and three, and four. Um, so one of the guys says he's going to take the Zeta from Judo with his fist, and he like throws his gun away, and it's just like this comical fight. It, it's not, it's over the top, but it's not too bad. Um, where they end up, you know, flying around and like fighting and the guy's like yelling at judo. He's like, You're, that, that's not honorable. And judo's like, 
Yo, Judo running is a valid strategy sometimes. <laughs> Judo runs away and grabs a pike. He's like, that's not honorable. He's like, I'm not a soldier. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and he's like, dude, you are way bigger than me. Like, he does. He does. He does say he's like. He's like, this guy's pretty big. I'm not gonna win. Yeah. Like, you're outside of my weight class. It's a handicap. This I'm trying to even it. And I enjoy that he's like, oh yeah, I won't even use my gun. And then Bright comes in and he's like, nobody use guns because you know they're on a pressurized mobile suit deck and it's you know you shouldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was a pretty fun fight back and forth where. You know, in in reality, you know, one hit of that uh, metal pipe would just basically crush whatever it hits. You know, in a, this is a cartoon. Uh, <laughs> Look, they're in space. Maybe it doesn't have the same inertia it would yeah, here. Maybe. Um, yeah. So Bright gets caught uh, by Gotten, but then Emery sneaks up with uh, like a rifle. And ends up in a tussle with Gotten, uh, and and I'm like for a second here, I was like, man, I don't remember. Does like, does Emery just get like murdered in this scene? Is this like the end of Emery? And it felt like it would have been an appropriate place for Bright to have like been like, ah, oh, I I'm going to mourn my almost lover, but no, Emery won't die here. Um, uh, so Shara, uh, Shara beats the kids up with a broom um, and escapes so she can get to uh, Gotten and his guys. One note I had about Shara is they kind of like throughout this, occasionally they cut to her and they show her like, you know, oh, she's doing laundry. She's got the kids in there and she's like very much not threatening, not acting weird, not acting like aggressive like she was before. And they show this like consistently. Um, eventually... That changes, obviously, but yeah, like yeah, they so, keep making it a point of showing her being like, uh, "Oh, look at me! I'm a prisoner. Let me do the laundry," and like, like she's like super non-threatening. So th- this this is we had this issue an episode or two ago. Um, this begins like a really ADHD. Every five seconds, we get a new scene type thing, and it's I think it was one of the Moon Moon episodes that we we had this complaint where it was just like back and forth and back and forth and back and forth it was the last time gotten got to the argama it was yeah. that one. Oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. um yeah so whoever wh- whatever director likes directing gotten episodes just man needs to f- take take a chill pill it, it all works watching it for fun is fine watching it for a podcast meant to like break it down and analyze it, it's like ah. yeah um, yeah, so, um, L saves Judo when he's about to get, you know, smacked pretty hard. Um, and as he, and he, cause he's like wrestling with another guy who gets in the Zeta and then L is in the Mark two and she basically grabs the Zeta and, you know, she's like, oh no, I'm stuck. And Judo's like, no, no, keep doing that because like they won't be able to get away if, if they're all like intertwined and all that fun stuff. Um, and then gotten meets up with Shara, uh, while he's holding Emery hostage. Um, and then, Eno is going to take Shara or take gotten down while the kids take Shara, Shara. Um, it's like, again, this is all like 
break break beat like really fast and my note here says more scene hdhd adhd it's just like super super hard to follow Eno has a plunger yeah he's gonna he's gonna uh plunge gotten's butt gonna plunge <laughs> those depths <laughs> um so uh, they get into one of the, wait, is it? Yeah. Uh, the, this is where we cut to the Beiwu flyer Yeah, and the pilot is still just totally stuck in something or other. And he goes, I know I'll shoot arm missiles. Yes. That's a, that's a good trick. And he does. And they just end up circling back around and, and hitting the ship. Yeah. So it causes a vacuum that sucks gotten an emery out of the ship. Uh, and somehow they managed to get their normal suits on correctly. They get like gotten like gets stuck like as the, like as the airlock is coming down and he like is getting pulled out. He gets like like wedged in it, and he's like getting sucked out. And as Emery's coming down, they both are able to get their helmets on before they get sucked sucked out all the way. This this is another thing where if this was reality, he would have just like been like shredded and dead. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, look it. The liberties they take with depressurization in space and things like that, it's all, for me, way more forgivable once I watched what the Marvel movies do with people that get stuck out in the vacuum of space where they just freeze. And I go, man, man, I can turn on my suspension of disbelief, but this is fucking stupid. Why are they just freezing? Or lay Like, oh, make them warm and it's fine. Or Leia and the and Jedi, and she just gets these magical Jedi abilities and floats right back into. But magical Jedi abilities are a thing, okay? <laughs> I mean, that, that's the basis of them, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's entirely reasonable to assume that she was strong enough in the Force to like create a small air pocket around her or something like that <laughs> um, when uh, Gamora or whoever is floating out there and starts to freeze. It's like. Dude, couldn't have written that any other different way that isn't so fucking stupid. Anyway, that's we're not here to talk about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, Judo launches in the double Zeta. Um, sorry, actually, no, before that happens... Um, Gotten finds the Bawu and he gets it unstuck and transforms it into the full Bawu, which is weird because like the other part, the nutter just like shows up instantly and connects to him. It's, just, it's that's un- why I was asking about the nutter deploying earlier because I like did not see it until this moment. And I'm like, did they send the nutter out after? Did the nutter was the nutter just hold hanging out back? There? I, I was confused by the nutter. Yeah, well, you have to you have to remember when uh, I was talking about it the last episode. The nutter is remote operated or just operates kind of like independently. So it would basically be like a drone out there just kind of like on standby, not really doing anything. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously that what they're trying to show here is gotten is a way better pilot than this random dude that was in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the double Zeta launches. Uh, and engages the Bawu right as it's about to try to shoot the Argama's bridge. Um, so Judo manages to make sure he saves the Argama, of course. Um, and then this two suits play this like 
minute and a half hide and seek around the heart. Yeah, yeah, it's actually really entertaining. It Um, is. They're just playing cat and mouse, and that's about all there is to say about it, but it's fun to watch. Yeah, yeah, they're like, let's go over the ship. No, I'm going to go under the ship. All right, well, I'm going to go in the middle. No, I'm going to go above it. You know, it's it's kind of, it's kind of cool. Um, And then they finally engage into, like, a, a beam saber fight. And uh, Judo just cuts the Bawu's ar- uh, right arm off. I have a very important note about this. He, they kind of lock, and then he's like, he whips out a sword, and he's like, you're sliced! He literally says, you're sliced, and cuts his arm off. I, that was important enough to me that I needed to point out that that was said. You're sliced. I feel like next time you cut something like a cake or something, just be like, you're sliced and cut the cake. <laughs> I'm going to say that to literally everything I cut from here till I die. <laughs> uh, uh, Luke, the slicer. Um, so judo has a shot on the Bawu, uh, but he sees the soldiers in their normal suits floating in space. And he just kind of like, I think this is like probably the first moment where it clicks for him. Like, he's actually fighting other human beings um, because he's like, he can't pull the trigger. Um, and then like, you know, luckily for him, um, the soldiers get in the Bawu and push Emery out. So he's, you know, he's able to go towards her and rescue her. But yeah, like it's, it's, it's that first moment that he, like he's said it before, I think, but this is the first moment where he actually realizes like, the implications of some of the stuff that he does and that these aren't just like mobile suits that he's shooting at. Not the first time it's been alluded to or referenced and holy hell, not the last it ever is in Gundam, but going on like an overarching meta series theme of when you have humanoid weapons like this or just highly advanced weapons, it dehumanizes the experience of war which can make it worse for everyone so then when judo is seeing these actual people instead of just oh enemy robot it it has a different it just hits different right and right and emory is only even able to get out because they're like oh we'll use her as a hostage so they start trying to push her to the front but then all these other guys are so desperately trying to get in this cockpit like running for their lives that she's able to wriggle her way out yeah um but yeah this is like I said, it, it's covered in Gundam a whole lot, but yeah. this is a pretty poignant example of it. Yeah. Um, so Bright saw Emery floating in space and starts uh, going towards her uh, and catches her in a very romantic fashion. And then uh, Judo puts him in his palm and takes them back to the Argama. Judo's like, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Stop! And then he's like, I guess I'm taking you back. Don't unzip your pants in space, Bright. It's not going to end well for you. Judo sort of started, like, mashing them together. <laughs> like Barbies. <laughs> um, yeah, so Judo is, mentions that he is worried about the new suits being sent after them, and he swears that he will save Lena. Yeah, he's like, by the way, viewers, that plot is still a thing. We're, we'll eventually get back around to it. Well, and there was a moment I enjoyed here because it's um, 
right after the stuff with Bright and Emery, and then before Judo reminds the viewers about that, uh, Madchar and Millie are on the Arkhamus Bridge, and they're like, well, Gundams seem like they might be useful. And Bright and Torres look, like, annoyed for some reason. They're like, oh, God, it's those weird Anaheim people. They just like the robots. But um, the, the other thing it reminded me of is when he says, oh, these seem useful, is when... Uh, Wheeljack and Ratchet initially create the Dinobots um, on Optimus Prime's orders after they go to a museum on Earth. And they're like, oh, that's, that's cool. Uh, and they, they say, oh, yeah, robot dinosaurs might be useful. It's like a famous quote. It made me think about that. Thanks, Madjar. They made him so dumb initially. Well, that's because Wheeljack was trying to get the authentic dinosaur experience. Yeah. With their tiny brains. <laughs> but that's only in the cartoon continuity. In the, in the comic continuity, they're like... They found them somewhere in the comics, didn't they? It depends which comics. Oh, yeah. I, th- I thought they were, like, discovered on, like, some quote-unquote primitive planet. Um, I'm not sure they ever did that one, but regardless... There's like 40 different origin stories for them, uh, but the most famous is just the old original cartoon where yeah. they're at they're at a museum on Earth and they're like, "Yeah, we know you have. Let's make some fucking robots like this." Episode 17. Retrieve the core top. One one note before we move on. Um, there's a guy that uh, so mahq.net. This is like a really good recap series. I think Scotty's mentioned it a couple times before. Um, in the episode, he always does like commentary for the episodes. He he actually compares the the episode sixteen to like when Ramba Rawl ambushes the um, the white base in the original series, and it's, it's a really good comparison between like how they were writing like the original series versus how they're doing this one. This one's a lot of like slapsticky antics, and there's not a lot of like growth for anybody in this. Whereas uh, in the original series, it was like a really intense battle and a very like you know big plot point showing like that like how evil and how cunning not evil but how cunning rumble Rawl was and how big of a um adversary he was and they just didn't really do that with gotten here it's basically just another opportunity for gotten to fail i mean we're still only like three months out from everybody in zeta dying <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, well, and and I think it's also just another way to contrast Judo and Amaro, right? Like, yeah, Judo here is involved the whole time and cares about what's going on. He's not out wandering the desert being sad about himself. Um, so he's, like, able to assert more control over the situation, and that ends up in the villain getting away alive instead of blowing himself up. Hmm. But that's a really good point there in that summary. I, I didn't think about that before the... the kind of parallels it's good yeah so the argama finally is able to leave the lavian rose uh and we see kind of uh emery floating in the distance as as they leave looking so sad yeah it's like bright and emery like yearning for one another as they drift apart yeah bright yeah bright definitely looks sad too and uh everybody on the argama is sitting there like watching so we got l and judo like laughing shinta and kum show up with shara who is uh now tied to a rope to them um and they're just like 
staring at Bright, who is like, we think he's just watching, but he's maybe doing something pervy or something like that. Cause he's definitely embarrassed when they, when he comes out, he's like, what are you guys watching me for? <laughs> Zips his pants up. Um, <laughs> they all tussle in the hallway of the Argama and, uh, finally like things get straightened out and then bright heads to the hangar bay. So he gets to see Madshar. And we learn that the Aragama has been ordered to attack Axis by itself. And Bright is not on board with his plan. He's like, no, that's stupid. This is the first time in this series that it feels like the Aragama is in the Ayug again. Yeah. It never left. But I guess what it's, this is showing is that in their journey, if you will, by a virtue of linking back up with the Levy and Rose and therefore Anaheim, their contacts at the Aug that push the orders, which it's basically Anaheim anyway, um, uh, are then able to communicate some. They're basically what their first orders are since their last battle, which is more or less the same thing as it was before. Well, the Titans are gone. Go take care of Axis now, and it's just you because like everybody else got blown up. So, yeah, I mean, and and if you think about it from an Anaheim standpoint, Axis is really a business competitor. So they, you know, it's really eliminating competition. Um, so Madshar is basically like, I don't give a fuck what you care about. This is, these are the orders to go do it. Well, and, and he goes, Oh yeah, we gave you the, the hyper mega super cannon. And we gave you, he's like, look, we gave you the mega rider, the mega rider, which is just, a pile of orange blocks with a gun on the front that a mobile suit can ride in. And it's not mentioned in this not, episode. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's a, it's a, <laughs> they were like, is it a, is it a shackles? They're like, no, 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 no. It's a mega launcher docked with the shackles. <laughs> Everybody's like, so impressed. Like, Oh dude, that's cool. Um, and then, uh, there's a, a scene where Madchar is telling Judo that he's a new type. And uh, Judo's like, yeah, okay, but you know what I really don't like? I don't like fighting new mobile suit models. Like, this is the second or third time that Judo has mentioned he doesn't like fighting all these different models. Um, I guess they're harder. I wonder um, if that's, like, meta commentary from someone on the staff being like, why do we have sick to work of in so many different model kits? I have to. I have to learn how to draw a new Gundam every third episode, and they're fucking nutters. <laughs> well, and, and the pre, so the preview for this episode. So at the end of sixteen, if you watch the you know coming up next time, they tell you that now the the Gazalman Gazalm is is going to attack them in this episode, which is another new Axis mobile suit. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so Judo gets freaked out um, that if he blows up... Like, so Millie makes a comment of, you know, oh, yeah, you got to blow up Axis. But, you know, uh, El, uh, Lena is on Axis. So if you blow it up, she could get hurt. And Judo just, like, starts freaking out, has, like, a new type flash where, like, he envisions Axis getting blown up, all this I stuff. Know. I don't know if that was a new type flash so much as it was, like, him just, like, picturing what could Yeah, happen. it... It, she she just like rolled up on him like oh you have to attack them isn't doesn't it like 
make you worry about how if you blow them up, it'll probably kill your sister. Like, the, and it's like a super like intense way to come at him, having never talked to him before. Yeah, the the only reason I thought it was like a new type related thing was because so like the first of all the animation was similar to like some of his new type incidents, but it was also like if you think about one of the things they say about new types is that they're kind of like in tune with their emotions and all that stuff. They're like super emotional in some cases and empathetic. Like it seems like he almost felt that event happening because of how like intense his feelings and stuff were for Lena. So he's just like, not only did he just like imagine it, he like experienced that potential happening. Yeah. I was going to say the, I should have taken note on the audio cues because it, it, this feels to me like a example of how his new type abilities are still developing. So it's not a, it's not an, a like really well formed emotionally mature vision or anything. It's him, you know, his imagination, I think being, impacted by his developing new type abilities to the point where he sort of loses recognition of where he is for a minute because he grabs Millie and just starts choking her. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. If I didn't choke her. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. Um, but everybody convinces Judo not to worry because, you know, they'll see, they'll save Lena before uh, they have to blow up Axis. Uh, Lena first, blowing up Axis second. Um, and he's like, oh, that's, yeah, you're right. That's great. I'm awesome now. Um, he got super fucking hyped, too. As soon as he started thinking, like, yeah, we're going to rescue her, he gets, like, super hyped. And then Millie gets super hyped and almost electrocutes him. Um, and then he's like, why? You got to watch what you're doing. You almost killed me. And then he gets pushed yeah. in, pushed out into, like, zero G and, like, uh, Madshar, like, moves the mobile suit's hand to catch him and he bounces off of that and then like into a leg and it it was it was kind of weird so look it's really hard to tell because she's an anaheim chick but was millie actually into the choking thing and then just like kind of forgets herself and that's why she turns the torch gun on because she's like just too wrapped up and into it or was that a ha 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 i'm yeah i'm inspired too i'm inspired to kill you with this torch gun because you just choked me i i don't know it could be either choose your adventure Choose your Anaheim disaster it, adventure. It could be either, but based off of the west, the rest of the way this episode acts, in that Tomino probably needed to get something. Um, I do fully believe it was that her, she was being just kind of a horny Anaheim chick. If she shows up in she she's in Char's deleted affair, right? She's the one that shows up towards the end, isn't she? The only thing that I know she's in is um, one of the Johnny Ridden mangas. Um, I thought she was in 0083 Rebellion, but I could not find where it was on a brief look. Um, but I only have... Like, I looked at my print copies because they're just it's just quicker, and I, I only have the stuff that's really after they've left Levian Rose and such. So uh, I, I'm not sure. If she was in that or not, it wouldn't shock me if she was. The way they throw those cameos out there, 
Yeah, I can't remember for sure. I, I thought she was, but I could be wrong, too. Yeah, I mean, she very well might have been because the Johnny Ridden manga she's in is by the same group or author as um, the the one you, that one that you yeah. said. Um, the so, plot to kill Garen or whatever. Oh, yeah. Uh, don't make me have flashbacks. Um, so, Gotten and everyone is, uh, hi- are they still all hiding in their Baowu and they've got some other suits now uh, inside the a random damaged colony that's floating around in space. And they are going to, they want to launch an attack on the Argama. So they can, once again, try to rescue Shara. Um, and then switch to the Argama, who's like, hey, this new cannon that we got, let's give it a try. Um, oh, there's a, new, there's a colony out there. We can just blow that colony up. It's already damaged, right? That's a perfect target. Um, it's more than damaged, right? It, all all yeah, of the it, windows are blown yeah, out. It, it is completely It's a busted damaged. up colony. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a, it's not a colony anymore. It's just like space debris. Um, so, uh, while this is happening, Shara approaches Judo in a bathroom and starts rubbing her tits all over his face and offers to save Lena if he will take her to Axis. The, the cannon that they're testing, is that the one that they, they got upgraded when they were at the Olivia Rose? Yeah. We, I don't think we mentioned this, but, um, Emery, when she was like, like going in and trying to bang uh, Bright was like, yeah, we upgraded the cannon. It can now take out stuff in a single shot. I can't remember what she said. It could take out uh, battleships. It could take out battleships with a single shot. So that's kind of why I think that's why they're testing it. Does take out a, a space colony. Let's, yeah. let's do it. Um, yeah, Judo's washing his hands. And I didn't have a note that hand washing is really weird in space. Apparently they have like a weird, like dome thing they stick their hands into i guess for gravity reasons but they can just drink out of open cups so i, I don't know I, all i know is he didn't wash his hands for 20 seconds and sing whatever fucking abc song you're supposed to sing while you're washing your hands in this covid world no oh, judo gonna die of covid man well now all the drink cups have like the they've got lids with straws though like even the ones out of the vending machine so maybe the straw has like a diaphragm or something maybe uh, yeah, so, yeah, uh, Judo gets titties in his face, um, and he really considers this offer. It seems like he's about, he's like, well, you know, I do want to save Lena, and I don't really give a shit about the Argama. Um, is he considering the offer, or is he considering those rockin' tits? That's fair. That's fair. I, I think it's a little was, bit of both, he, right? He was very big on, like, no traitors, no traitors, like, we gotta work together, like, for the, for the AU or whatever earlier and then now he's like yeah you know not a bad idea i do want to save lena Uh, well i mean to be fair like he's he has never been on board with the argama's mission right like he when he was on colony on uh colony one he was like no i like i don't want to go with ara i don't want to be beholden to the argama when he got tricked to go out into space he was like god damn it i don't want to do this and then his sister gets kidnapped by you know somebody and he's like god damn it i don't want to be involved and like i don't want to be beholden to you fuckers uh and then shara basically comes to him and says like if you take me to axis i will get you your sister and you can be done with this shit like 
and you can play with my titties. Like, <laughs> nah, but you know what? We... like shoving her boobs in his face and like grabbing, it, like rubbing all up on him. I just want to make a note that he's thirteen and she's twenty three. Just throwing that out there. Just throwing it out there. I don't know if anyone else needs it. No, he he. We are going to learn his tastes very soon. I don't think he's that into Shara. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So as he's pondering this, uh, Shinta and Kum come out and uh, convince, like, shock him into uh, in, back into place. Um, and then uh, the lights of the Argument turn off because they're they're lowering the power and everything, so they can fire the mega particle cannon. And um, Shara just beats the shit out of Judo and uh, takes the kids and is like, I'm, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Um, she, she takes the rope that she's tied to, uh, is it, I think it's Kuhn that she's, or Shinto that she's tied to. She takes the rope that she's attached to uh, Shinto with and wraps her in his neck and starts strangling. Oh, yeah. She, like, chokes him out. Chokes I think she, like, chokes him until he's unconscious because it won't, like, when she lets him go, he's just kind of, like, floating there. <laughs> This this could have been the end of Double Zeta if she just choked a little harder, a little longer. Yeah. Or or they would have had to bring Camille back. And and so then uh you know, up on the bridge they're getting ready and they decide to postpone it because Bright hears, Oh, Chara's escaped. Oh, we have to go take care of that. And Rue finally someone says it. Rue is like, if you had just blocked her in the brig, like I said you should, this wouldn't have happened. I enjoy that the, these kids on the Argama for some of the antics and trouble that they cause. Um, well, I mean, I guess ignoring Bicha and Mondo, you know, the others, uh, Rue, you know, El, Judo, they're suggesting things that are like, you people never learn about inviting enemy cyber new types on your damn ship. Lock them up. Well, it's, and it's funny because we were talking to, about this briefly before we started recording. Like, I feel like Rue is the L of Double Zeta, right? Like, she was intended to be here and she is the voice of sanity most of the time it's funny before i had gotten to this point every single time they popped up and and char was just like doing laundry with the kids i'm like why is she not locked up who's watching her are the kids watching her but the the only person watching her what has a history of just like not having any way to lock anybody on the ship up effectively uh, well, my my note for this was Rue says they should have locked Chara in the brig, and in parentheses I wrote in all caps, and she's fucking right. What were they thinking? Well, <laughs> remember the context that they're shorthanded. Now, yeah, but well, Rue doesn't Ruse excuse. This does not excuse it because they did lock up Gun. They yeah. didn't make him do laundry. They did not. Yeah, and Rue even says like we should lock her in the brig, no matter how short staffed we are. Like she explicitly calls that out as, as, as like, it that doesn't make it okay. Yeah, but I mean, you know, Shara has those cyber new type titties or whatever. I noted uh, right here, I'm like, is Matt Char Bright's boss? Because when they cut to the bridge, he's just kind of like lounging in the caption, caption chair. He's like, this is pretty comfortable. <laughs> I think I mean, he, I, he's an it, Anaheim rep. He's like yeah. boss's messenger, at least. I think he has a more sense of himself than anybody else does though. He's like <laughs> he's like a shitty version of Wong. Um Yep, so uh Shara makes it into the the core top, which at first I thought was the Mega Rider, but it wasn't. 
Um, and she blows a hole into the ship. Um, Elle manages to get into the Mark II, and Judo makes it to a core fighter as there's, like, vacuum of space happening again. And then uh, the Indra Musketeers launch from the colony when they see the parts of the double Zeta flying around in space. They're like, oh, we, it's, time to, it's time to enact our plan. Um, and then while Shara's, like, flying the core top, she, to, away from the Argama, uh, Shinta just starts, like, choking her, like, twist, you know, like, choking her with his legs, fighting her, like, making it hard for her to get away. Um, and during this process, the Argama detects the Indra Musketeers, uh, flying towards the ship. Um, Rue gets into the Zeta, and both L and Rue launch. And I don't know if you mentioned this, but I think uh, Ino and Shinta um, are in the core base, right? Were they in the core base? The core base. I, I assumed it was the core top, just because the name of the episode no, is... Um, uh, Judo is in a core fighter, Shara is in the core top, and someone goes out in the core base. I think it's Ino. It is. Right? Ino and, and uh, Kum. Yeah. Okay. And and Haro. Can't forget and Haro. Haro. <laughs> so uh, the Musketeers start going after the pieces of Double Zeta, uh, and L and Rue are just worthless pilots as far as they go in this episode. They they're like they're like just super ineffective when they're fighting. Well, and and also here, there's a moment the one of the Axis soldiers when he sees them flying around thinks he assumes they have been spotted because they don't know what's going on yeah and he goes out and tries to attack and gotten is like oh, wasn't the idea and earlier in the episode when we see them planning you know you have gotten listening to them and it's almost like three stooges of like you dimwit that's not the plan and he's like i'm so tired i'm so tired since i have become y'all's commander <laughs> yeah for sure um I don't even think we mentioned that, yeah, Gotten is in the AMX 008 Gazaum. It yeah, they... It's like Gazaumen, um, but uh, they only mentioned the name of this mobile suit in the preview for the episode, never in the actual episode. And we don't even know how they got these mobile suits. From a place, they must have gone back to the Mindra. Now they have another. They took I thought the Mindra... I thought the Mendra or Mendra left him. <laughs> I, I guess we just have to assume they must have taken the broken Beiwu back, been like, sorry, and then they're like, look, here's the newest mass production thing. Just take that and now go again. Go. Yeah, it's yeah, there's it's hard to know what's going on here, but th they have new suits and they're fighting at them and yeah, okay. <laughs> um so again, L and Rue are just super ineffective against these these new suits, um, but Judo and Eno began thinking. They're like, "What if?" Now hold my hold my coffee while I explain this to you. What if we force Doc with Shara? We can both dock with her at the same time. He says. He says. We're going to run a squeeze play. 
on the core top <laughs> by docking with it from the front and the rear. So guys, if you don't like 15 minutes of docking jokes, you're probably not going to enjoy the next 15 minutes of this episode. There's a Transformer named Squeeze Play. <laughs> oh. he's, a, he's a headmaster. This junior. episode was so weird. <laughs> like, this isn't a good episode, but like this, the last few minutes of it where we're, we're docking the entire time... <laughs> fantastic yeah so like they're trying to dock and then gotten and this other soldier are like no no we don't want that to happen we can't we can't allow this in in our sector of space or something yeah it well and they also start shooting at shara uh they don't realize that it's shara they think it's just like other you know argama pilots um but uh i think it was gotten actually got a shot that hit one of the wings um, but Judo begins force docking, uh, shortly afterwards, Eno joins the docking party. He tells, so he tells Eno to go ahead and fire off his load. Oh yeah. Of missiles. Yes. And. Yes. And Eno, then that, yes. And then he detaches so that the docking can complete. Yeah. So yeah, you know, fires off his load of missiles to distract the musketeers, and then uh, four stocks with Shara, and then when all three finish their docking maneuvers, the double Zeta transforms. They spend so much time on this, you don't even get the full blown stock transformation footage. Yeah, they yeah, yeah. Normally, I mean, what what do you watch Gundam for? Transformation or five minutes of docking? <laughs> I mean, the energy of, of Gundam, yeah, it, it's five minutes of docking. They had to get it warmed up. <laughs> you know, they had, to, they had to make sure that the core top was ready. Maybe they were wanting to get positive consent. I mean, you know, that's good. You should do that every time. Um, so, but they didn't get Shara's consent before they docked with her. They don't have Gotten's. But you don't have to ask Gotten if you're not docking with Gotten. Right. You do need to ask Jesus. I, uh, for some reason, I, I almost just called Shara China. Uh, you know, <laughs> this is, this is Judo and Eno's one night in China. <laughs> they really should have left Coom at the ship. They really... This is uh, not appropriate for... You know. uh, Shinta's there, too. Shinta's, like... He's he's a victim in all this docking mess, but he's enabling the docking. Uh, Shinta's, like, 14 months from puberty. Yeah. <laughs> Shinta's enabling everybody to dock with Shara. So then... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Axis, they're like, we should just run away. We should, we should leave, and they do, because they're like, we, look, we just had to watch five minutes of docking. Let's, let's get out of here. <laughs> well, and so they attack the Argama first, though. They, they're, they're trying to, they're still trying to get on the Argama to rescue Shara. Right. Yeah. Gotten says, hey, don't phrase it like running away. We're just going to rendezvous with uh, Clayu and and Yura. 
we don't know who was who of those, but yeah. Nell is with Gotten. They give some of these guys names, and I don't know. Which You'll never know one them. Which. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. So Millie is apparently a really good uh, cannon person, shooting person, uh, and they they force him to back off, and we kind of see that the guys that are in the docking bay of the Argama. Um, have like rigged up all of these guns and they've got like a docking bay, like half, half open and they've got just guns like strung up on string and they're just like firing them out at the suit. So that kind of forced, uh, the musketeers to back off. Uh, I thought it was a pretty, pretty cool little scene just showing like, you know, we've heard time and time again that the Argama is understaffed and this is really just showing like they're making the best of what they got in this situation. Um, and then the black cubile shows up, pops out from behind a, uh, fake asteroid and is, is menacing. And then Madshar's like, you got to shoot it. You got to shoot that mobile suit. It's going to, it's going to hurt you. And Bright's like, no, shut the fuck up. Um, well, Bright is like, that's, that's Haman's personal suit. Yeah, they think they you know, yeah, yeah. assume it, this is space. A dark blue versus white, depending on the lighting, it's not going to look any different. Yeah, so Judo is getting weird vibes, and he like tosses the tor- core fighter and says, "Hey, somebody take this back to the Argama." Um, and then the Cubile starts attacking everybody with its bits. At first, it looks like it's just like disarming people, but then it actually starts like attacking pretty significantly against everybody. Yeah, and we and and Madchar this whole time has been like, "You got that cannon? Let's use that cannon. I want to use that cannon." And then Bright <laughs> finally thinking Haman is attacking the most, use the fucking cannon. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Bright orders, and, and so we, we're getting flashes of this of this new pilot and we'll talk about who this pilot is in the future and everything like that, but we're getting flash flashes of this pilot. So we, the viewers know that this is not Haman. Um, unless she's gotten like a very different haircut and some plastic surgery. Um, oh, man, this is uh baby Marita. Yeah. Not, not her exactly. Just pull. Um, so bright orders, the argument of fire while everybody's kind of backing up and the cubile just dodges the attack pretty easily as you do with the giant laser uh but they do hit that colony yeah but but pull does look at it like oh oh that would have been bad yeah <laughs> it's a real quick shot but her face kind of says it all like wow whoops <laughs> <laughs> yeah so judo launches to take the suit uh chase the suit as the cubile uh retreats because uh, he because he thinks it's Taman and he's like she's going back to Axis and that's where Lena is so I am going over to her, um, and he also because of the new type vibes that he got he's like oh that's that's Taman she was a new type right, uh, but again we know that wasn't her didn't look like her well and and basically Judo just gets frightened by this giant cannon that's on the argument now that just took out a damn colony with a shot yeah and he's like. Wait, they're gonna use. He's imagining they're gonna use that on Axis. Yeah. And oh crap, Lena's there. I, I can't have her hurt by something like that. He flies off in the double Zeta because we're we're finally gonna start getting to this plot that's been hanging over things for a little bit. Yeah, Lena's been gone for what four or five episodes now. I don't. It's in my. I mean, I'm on a different notebook. 
the yeah, she left, it's, so. she's been gone for a hot minute. Yep. Yeah, she's been getting piano trained, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, I was looking up a little bit about Mad Char Mucha. Um, I can't find, at least during a quick, during a podcast Google search, I cannot find very much about him, but apparently he does uh, get featured in something that ran in Gundam Ace in like 2008 and 9 uh, called A uh, Mirage of Zeon, which is a double Zeta side story. And uh, he is described there as an AUG functionary. And eventually he gets his own Irish class battleship that he is uh, in command of called the Mustache. <laughs> Mad Char and his mustache. Sorry, the mustache. Do you want a Do you want a mustache ride on Mad Char's mustache? Yeah, the, the <laughs> person on this Mecha Talk post at least does say it. the unfortunately named Irish class battleship mustache. <laughs> but I can't find very much about this manga at, at all, and it's uh, 13 years old from Random Gundam Ace. God knows what's out there. One of these days. We'll get some English content. Probably not that. Let's no. buy the back issues and send, like, do the translation yourself or something. <laughs> That's it. We need to crowdsource uh, Zionic translating the mustache rides. I mean, just just hoard Gundam Ace. That's as close as you're going to get to a lot of this. Yeah, and and learn Japanese. Even if you speak Japanese, Lane, I can't imagine how big of a pain in the butt it is to translate Gundam specific stuff. Gundam stuff is so hard. Like there's there's stuff that I've I've read that's any it's so like a lot of the shonen stuff is super difficult because that like you either have stuff like Gundam that has a lot of like technical terms, uh, and then some of the technical terms are just like made up, especially when you talk about like the different Gundam parts, but like. And then you have like uh, like Naruto and shit like that, where like they make up these powerful attacks that are like <laughs> full of these like kanji, like like volcano fire fist attack, and it's just like, wait, what? Okay, I'm just going to pass on this word. Um, yeah, it's 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 difficult, but it's still like cool. Um, yeah, these. Uh, so I, I like the first episode. This this episode that we episode seventeen. Not a huge fan of it, but it's not bad. It moves quick, and it, it's there's a lot of these scenes that we covered in a sentence or two that are like a minute long, two yeah. minutes long. Yeah, you know, this takes it time. This pair of episodes really feel the most like Zeta, I think than a lot of the rest of the series. Maybe the other one that I would compare it to is like when uh, it's right before Fa leaves yeah. and they're out in space. Like some of the, this just feels like one of those episodes that would be in the like mid twenties, early thirties of Zeta where they're just out in space doing stuff for an episode or two. Yeah. Yeah. This definitely does feel like the, we need to have a fight this episode because we have to make, have a fight this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but I mean, they're also ringing like they're they're, you know, the the argument has been away. It's it's now come back, had a, a detour, and it's come back again, and now they actually have real orders from the AUG and a thing to go do. The main character has his side thing that he needs to go do that's at the same place, 
we're we're moving things along now. Yeah. Oh, and we're 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 definitely almost at the part where Zeta or Devil Zeta picks up and starts rolling the plot train. Like we're not quite there yet, but we're we're almost there. Yeah, if if you're watching along, which you, you probably passed us a long time ago, but if you're watching along if you have been at all, like if this is your first watch of it and you've been a little, eh, man, I don't know, don't have to keep with it much longer until I think it's going to be something that is uh, more, I think, universally enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You guys got anything else? All right. Well, we will see you in two weeks. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter at New Type Flashpod and the Mobile Suit Gundam subreddit post and wherever else you'll see it. I think we're still trying to trend on R all and some other random subreddits. Like uh, I think can, I think Pokemon was one of them. Um, who knows? You you can basically fight me weekly now in Gundam Breaker Mobile because they grab three v three opponents from the the top rankers and I keep ending up there so for like the last five or six weeks there's been one day a week you can fight me in a video game nice so when you have to listen to when you when you have to listen to me say things that you think are stupid and someone out there you know what I mean you're like yeah you suck dude you can download that video game and go whoop my ass or I'll whoop yours but it's CPU controlled in that case so and if you buy anything enter Scotty's sponsor code P-E-N I-S. And you will get 0% off of your purchase. Yeah, and I won't get dick either. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not a thing. <laughs> ah. All right. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Have a good one. <laughs>